thank you, Govind. Uh, not so much for the kind words. They are obviously exaggerated descriptions of a dear friend. But for the uh, for bringing this aspect of yagna, because uh, this is exactly the thought that I had when I was sitting here. So I am so happy you spoke about it. That these are not uh, talks and uh, meetings where we just come, listen, have some interactions, some information. They would beat their purpose. That can be done anywhere. But uh, always in so many gatherings um, where uh, all of us have participated, I am sure. I feel it should be done in the spirit of yagna. That we all invoke and invoke with a prayer for... Um, yagna literally means sanctification. It's a consecration. It's a purification. So when something is uh, put through fire, it gets purified. And by purifying, we discover its um, more powerful and subtler essence. Every activity of human nature uh, is like a shadow from something. It exists, but in its origin, it is much more, much more purer, much more uh, divine. And at a human level and uh, further down, if we look at the same activity, it goes through a process of constant... Um, uh, involution as we saw yesterday and it becomes comes one notch lower and lower like speech speech brings down the idea and at one level while it expresses at this at another level it already brings it many notches down so same thing with every activity and through a process of yoga we have to recover it in its original status that's the whole uh, purpose Everything, even human relationships, every relationship of uh, human beings that we experience in everyday life is actually a um, shadow or a reflection of a relationship that exists in its origin with reference to the divine. So divine is the mother, divine is the father, divine is friend, divine is teacher and uh, divine is playmate, uh, divine is master and divine is the beloved. All these sevenfold relationship we try to recreate in earthly life. But naturally, unless we are, uh, we have uh, discovered that purification, through a process of purification, discovered that perfection of the divine within us, we cannot recreate it on earthly life. And that is at once the source of our suffering as well as the, uh, the aspiration that mankind carries in everyday life. Because we want to be that, but we are not that. The only problem is that we want others to be that rather than we want ourselves to become that. So this is the fundamental uh, truth that we need to discover um, that we want to see perfection in the world. But we can only realize perfection in the world to the extent that we realize within ourselves. So this is the first sutra that the mother gives us with regard to the science of living that we must first discover that perfection inside us. This is the very first preoccupation of any yogic endeavor or even an endeavor of life. We want to rush into changing things outside, but unless there is a change inside us, we cannot discover, we cannot participate uh, in the change outside. And uh, the beauty is that the more we discover perfection inside us, the more we begin to discover it outside, which, you know, otherwise uh, we were totally, you know, uh, in a state of total obscurity, everything appears chaotic and what is this divine doing in this world? There is so much chaos, there is so much pain, there is suffering, there is injustice, there is evil. <laughs> but 
the beauty is as we begin to grow in that inner perfection the more we begin to see a divine working through everything that things which appeared to us um, as uh, difficult they appeared to us as disastrous uh, unjust evil uh, we begin to see how even that becomes a necessary step in the divine unfolding we begin to see that there is nothing like an original evil but simply things which are not in their places all this begins to unfold as we begin to grow into a diviner understanding of life so when we speak about science of living we are speaking about certain fundamental truths of human life which we are unaware and because of that basic um, ignorance in our dealing with life we fumble and we you know we have to go through a lot of pain which is really not necessary and one such truth is fundamental truth is that the perfection that we are looking for in others is a perfection that is hidden inside us and we need to discover it so in everything of life can become an occasion for this process of growing perfection now normally when we speak about perfection there is a you know tendency to believe that yes there is a perfect state yes there is a perfect state which we call as divine divine is nothing at but the perfect consciousness the absolute consciousness and uh, the seeker is asked to go deep inside himself at the core of things and he will discover the perfect consciousness very good that's a traditional yoga but in this yoga it is not enough to discover the inner perfection that inner perfection has to completely transmute our outer life as well so that the outer life also shares that inner perfection now unless the two meet together uh, life would always remain divided between things and activities which are spiritual and things and activities which are mundane and shubindu says it is not acceptable there was a time when um, um you know for a long time even though in the vedic period this division does not exist people were trying for combining the two perfections in our everyday life as i just gave that example that while we relate with the divine in so many ways why can't in our human life why can't i be a father as the divine is a father why can't i be a mother as the divine is the mother so how is the divine how does the divine deal when he comes to us in the aspect of a mother now this is a very interesting um, way that we can look at life how does the divine deal with us when he comes to us as a friend how does the divine deal with us when he comes to us as a you know playmate and beloved how does the divine deal with us when he comes to us as a master so when we begin to look at life that way and we, of course we have example divine examples upon earth which shubindu insists that they are so important uh, you know the very purpose of an avatar is to give a divine example before world so the more we begin to connect with the divine inside the more we begin to discover how the divine deals with us and the more we discover the way the divine deals with us the more we can deal with the world in the same way in the palance of yoga it is called sadharma mukti that we begin to our nature begins to assume the nature of the divine this lower nature and all its activities are a shadow cast out of some light of truth everything here yesterday we were reading a very wide entry into the divine that everything in its essence is divine this is a very beautiful thing that shubindu you know reveals to us once again this truth was known at one point of time in india the isha upanishad speaks about it but he not only reveals it to us he shows us the way towards it 
every activity of lower nature is a shadow of some truth which exists in the higher nature and through a process of yagna we can upgrade keep on upgrading these activities till they touch that truth which already exists and for that whole life and its everyday activities uh, all our movements can become a uh, constant um, uh, process of that evolutionary journey how to do it the mother says one fundamental requirement is to be vigilant now this you know is a very first time when i i remember i had read this word vigilant i had a impression that you have to be very stiff all the time and remain on tender hooks that you know i have to be vigilant i have to be vigilant till um, in champaklal ji's room i learned the lesson that this is not the way uh, you know champaklal ji i had the great privilege of uh, being with him for 20 days and looking after him uh, for a, for a period of time you know there were people allocated a duty so he used to rest at a uh, he used to be restful and my task was to sit there and i was given a uh, you know makhi bhagane wala yantra uh, i don't know what it's called <laughs> so fly <laughs> fly remover or fly trapper and and every time uh, i see a makhi i i my task was to ensure that Uh, you know flies don't go near champaklal ji you now as we know champaklal ji's room is shurbindo's room basically it's an extension so first day i sat all on my knees with that thing in my hand waiting for a fly to <laughs> anywhere come near <laughs> so i felt i am like hanuman <laughs> and i'll make sure that not a single fly even you know buzzes far away from him near him so next day i was uh, champaklal ji kept resting and next day he sent gave me a message he said don't remain so tense and anxious i i was wondering how he came to know that i was very tense and anxious that <laughs> that's not necessary so what should i do no no you sit just sit and relax i thought i have to sit and relax <laughs> i'm supposed to shoo away the flies and i am supposed he is asking me to sit and relax yes you sit and relax then i discovered a very great fundamental truth that if i am in a relaxed state the divine will work through me and he will show me at the right point of time what is to be done i have to remain open to the divine and uh, waiting upon him for his will to act now this is another dimension of vigilance which started opening to me before me that vigilance is not just a state where i am fighting and struggling with myself but a state in which whatever be the situation and circumstance i am attentive to the possibility of progress in or through that situation and i make it immediately and then it was a totally new world which opened thanks to those few days of being with him that vigilance is not about being all the time on the tender hooks every event of circu- or circumstance of life is like a mirror or a clumsy way to express um, something that is going on inside us uh, of course this truth has been known to many mystics uh, in the west also that the world is a mirror and everything that happens in our outer life comes to teach us something or comes to help us in some way to grow sometimes it is like a little test the mother speaks about it that you know there are three kinds of examiners who come to test us and the most insignificant things of life the most little details you know things which we tend to ignore 
uh, we have a tendency to believe that uh, you know when we are sitting in meditation we are in communion with the divine and when we are walking in everyday life then uh, you know we can afford to be lax it's it's fine it's okay that's my time with the divine but it's not like that at all the least uh, event of life is an occasion for us to grow and learn from anybody and everybody we can learn from a baby looking at a child we can learn looking at um, the mountain we can learn looking at the river we can learn that is what when dattatreya was asked and this is an example of vigilance when dattatreya was asked that uh, um, you know who is your guru he said i have 24 gurus and his 24 gurus included a bee a flower even a harlot he said i have learned from her so it's amazing that um, what the the understanding of yoga widens so much it's not about just uh, certain techniques but a whole way of looking at life and a whole way of living through life and then everything can become a means to feed the flame of yoga within us take another example as the mother says that we have to work not only on on finding the divine within but on all the parts so that they become ready to express the divine now one common problem comes when we have differences of opinions so differences of opinion and uh, uh, you know uh, one is very fine reading all the books of madhuran shubindo and practicing yoga but the moment there is a difference of opinion within a short while everybody is just short of the boxing gloves you know one is ready mm. this is what this is where uh, yoga has come to reveal itself to us that can we really arrive at a point where we can reconcile uh, oppositions into higher synthesis so the mind has to become wide and supple and every difference of opinion is a wonderful opportunity for me to actually practice yoga it makes my mind a little more supple it makes my mind a little more wide so every time when there is a challenge to my own views and i close myself into my shell that no i am right that's it and then after a while i say okay okay now i have to sit and meditate actually i have actually missed the opportunity my mind has to become wide and supple and all these things which seem to be um, opposing me become a great help very often yoga is uh, um, compared at least i tend to compare it with judo now in judo a fundamental principle is that you use the opponent's energy to overthrow him so every time a person seems to oppose the uh, including the material circumstances of our life it can itself become a feeder to the growing flame so at the level of the mind the mother tells to uh, reveals to us that we need to develop wideness and plasticity because if the mind is very rigid and narrow the divine consciousness cannot express itself it needs to be really vast the divine is very very uh, he is infinite not even vast and truth is complex shubindu says truth is not so simple as we you know tend to oversimplify truth take for instance that we all start the yoga with a concept of the divine yesterday we had a very interesting question about kedarnath now what happens in such a situation we start with a concept of the divine and the concept of the divine is often uh, based on our own uh, human wishes that how the divine should be so we have even nice word divine is all loving very kind Uh, so it's it's very nice uh, till one day we are struck with something which appears to be the most cruel act upon earth and now we are confronted with a very difficult situation 
either i change my understanding of the divine or i take it that well there is no divine so many of us take this uh, approach that well i thought the divine was very loving and kind but look what happened i was going to his pilgrimage and i fractured my leg i was going to pondicherry and in pondicherry just when i was about to enter the samadhi or came out of the samadhi i fell down and broke my leg so where is the divine whereas actually the whole attitude you know we we need to change and try to uh, rather say that probably there is something i don't understand and i need to understand why things happen the way they happen we have a very over simplistic way of reacting to life if i have fallen down it is the divine's business ask the mother that mother why do accidents take place she gives in one word it's unconsciousness not karma it is unconsciousness whether you are here there anywhere if there is a moment of unconsciousness you are you are liable to get injured absolute protection of the divine even at a physical plane she says it's not possible till you have given it completely to the divine but we live with many of these notions now how these attitudes can completely change our whole approach in one of the stories the mother recounts that how a man when he came to india pondicherry and while he was getting down the ship one of his golden pen dropped down and uh, it it you know flew into the sea and he lost it now he uh, thinks about it and uh, then he says well uh, this is the effect of india now you know <laughs> that it is teaching me detachment from the moment i have stepped into the indian soil but it is amazing that well this man thought it like that but many indians sad to say would say what is the use i went to a tirth yatra and look what happened mera ek golden pen tha wo bhi gayab ho gaya you know whereas actually it could be such a wonderful lesson so uh, in everyday life there is an opportunity to progress if we really begin to um, remain vigilant this is what vigilance is about that in every situation there is inbuilt in opportunity and occasion to uh, develop in one way or the other again when she speaks about the vital we all want to be divine instruments and we want to you know do divine work in the world but when we look at our vital it is so crude so unrefined whether it be our speech whether it be our feelings everything is so crude and there is so much work to be done upon these parts so everything that refines purifies uplifts the vital is good in the in in the vedas what is good and bad it is not by any kind of you know uh, you draw a column and say this is good and that is bad everything that helps me to get closer to that perfection is good human love can be good mother was asked this question that what should we do when human love comes our way she says go through it but then she puts a catch go through it to practice selflessness so if you are unselfish if you can love without expectations then you will actually eventually arrive to the principle of divine love which is hidden inside and then the heart becomes ready to manifest that sweetness that love just now govind was mentioning about you know becoming an instrument of that love it is very very difficult we of course say it so casually that uh, mother i love you i want to love you but it's very difficult because the heart is so much entangled into so many knots that energy that emotion of love that energy of love is so much mixed up with passions desires 
greeds, lusts, everything. Now, if this kind of an energy, um, you know, all right, the divine will accept, he accepts. And by his touch, he begins to transmute it. But transmutation means what? He will slowly throw away by process of catharsis, all that within us is not yet ready to express him. When we love the divine, divine begins to pour his love into us. And what is the effect of that love? It begins to change and we begin to feel very, very differently than, you know, uh, what we used to experience earlier. And uh, unfortunately, if um, one is surrounded by people who are not in sympathy with yoga, they may well feel that the person is becoming unloving. It can be a very, you know, <laughs> difficult situation. The mother says that, that divine love is such that many human beings, when they are in contact with divine love, they may find it cold. They may find it absolutely like ice, very difficult. Many people thought like that about Shurabindo. That is cold, aloof, distant. But that love was so powerful, is so powerful. Because it comes from a transcendent state of consciousness. It's pure, refined. It doesn't, it doesn't act uh, um, you know, based on our desires, whims and fancies. Now when we begin to even experience a little touch of that love, then we see that all our sufferings, all our pains was actually an act of love. Because we touch that. And then we see, oh, the eternal lover was at work when ordeal had cast me down. When suffering was there in my life, when I felt so lonely, divine was very close. One can actually experience that one was being carried by the divine during those moments of life when one felt that actually divine is unloving. He was most loving during those moments because he was getting us rid of all those mixtures that are there in our heart so that we can love him in the purest way and we can express that love and manifest it in the world. So at the level of the heart, all these things which are entangling and it's a long process because human beings, as human beings, we are inherently very complex. We don't uh, realize our complexity. We just think, okay, this is me, now I'll start yoga and fine, you know, uh, in a short time, it's like 10 days course and uh, six weeks course and six months course it's it's a lifetime many lifetimes journey and a journey which goes through all kinds of uh, things when when i look at mother and shubindo's past lives i am amazed it's not that in every past life there were great rishis sitting in himalayas at in one life he is a ruler in another life he is a creator in a third life he is mm, a scientist so every experience of life is like a feeder which helps us to grow. We should not be in a hurry. This is not a path of hurry and impatience. Because there is one line in the Upanishad which very beautifully describes the state of a person who would want, who is ready to see the Atman. And it's described in one beautiful word, Dhira. Tamatmastham yenupashyanti Dhira. Stesham sukham sashwati netresham. Tamatmastham yenupashyanti dhira, stesham shantim shashwati netresham. So, so many experiences of life come to teach us just to become dhira. We are waiting for uh, maybe the aircraft, we are waiting, uh, you know, something to begin and slowly after a while we begin to get restless. Oh, when will this happen? When will this happen? What a wonderful opportunity to practice yoga. Because that's the time I have to learn to be patient at a physical level. 
if I am patient, I have done what yoga asanas are going to teach us. If I learn to make my body physically patient, so if I learn to make my heart patient, people who love, they are so impatient, and that's why you see many of these uh, marriages which start with love they crash um, very soon because you know there is a violent hope and uh, swift despair because what we lack is patience. In Earth, everything follows an evolutionary curve, and evolutionary curve means. Great patience is needed. I know of people who take to one path of yoga after five years. This is a real example, so I can, without naming the person, share it. There was a person who, um, you know, um, uh, people thought he is really uh, great into yoga, and uh, he, after five six years, he wanted to. Uh, he said, "No, no, no! I don't want to do this yoga. Uh, I want to take to Brahma Kumari yoga." so they wanted me to kind of uh, um, kind of you know talk to him that what is the problem so <laughs> so before speaking i had said that he is not dhir <laughs> let him go where he wants to go he has to realize with his experience because a man who believes that in 5 years he wants something fundamental in yogic life and that to integral yoga he is not ready for any yoga because he will go he will struggle he'll understand you know people want in yoga some very quick um, kind of an experience and people who are seeking experience are very very um, you know it's very dangerous to seek experiences because many of these experiences may mislead and one expects that uh, we sit do some breathing exercises and have some experiences and sometimes um, they're very funny things um, you know i had a person come and tell me that you know mera guru to real guru hai aapko interest hai yoga mein why don't you come and one day uh, meet him i just see i have really i mean i have interest in yoga but i have found my path i don't need to go anywhere no 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 you don't know my guru is sadguru and i said yes yes i fully appreciate and understand and i have regard for your guru but but you know people insist like evangelist farver so um he said no you don't know when i went there i had this experience that experience so i was getting a little you know that why is he insisting so i said what did you experience he said no i sat and i did these exercises and then i saw a light and then i heard some sounds i said okay then so he was not prepared for that i said <laughs> <laughs> so you know like today's children i literally cc'd uh, you know copied my son i said so so you know he didn't know what what next he said no i had this experience i said so so what happened so you had an experience fine i mean are you really looking for an experience i said see i am not looking for an experience i am fine without experience i didn't tell him that you know each one has his own set of experiences and then <coughs> i told him that you know i have certain fundamental issues and questions and um, um he says what are your questions so i told him some of these cosmic questions <laughs> that used to be in my heart as a youngster he said no these questions only god can answer i said for me they have been answered and here is the book life divine if you want the answers you can take it take it from me so you know we are so impatient we are rushing for experiences and here and there as if if i have an experience that's enough i know of people who for decades kept telling that you know when i went to mother i had this experience a blue fountain emerging from inside and poor man started his life with that blue fountain and ended with that blue fountain <laughs> you know all his life he he had only one thing to recount to everybody that i had a blue fountain inside 
So fundamentally, yoga is not about that. Yoga is about a change of consciousness, which leads to a change in our very nature. If the nature doesn't change, then well, divine perfection is inside everybody. And in this yoga, there is a lot of working required on nature. Even the external man must change. In so many things, Shrubindra and the mother have guided us in sleep, in eating. Uh, so many times, one wants to have little extra. Just because out of greed, one has corrupted the body instincts, and then after a while, even the body doesn't know that one is actually eating more and more. And she speaks about working on the physical consciousness. If the body has to become a pedestal, an instrument of the divine, then even at the level of the form, the mother gives so many interesting secrets. One secret is that the beauty of the form. In fact, it's very amazing. She says. that uh, the beauty of the form is a spiritual problem can we ever imagine she doesn't say oh this is all nonsense beauty and all this you know you have to shun just go inside and find divine she says beauty of the form is a spiritual problem at its root even our body reflects the state of inner consciousness even the physical formation sri ramakrishna paramansa used to um, you know um, He, there was two ways he used to initiate people, whether they are fit for yoga or not. One method was that he would take them into a state of trance and know all about their past and their present and future, and then say yes or no. The way he did with Vivekananda. The other was that he would do a very close nirikshan of the body and study the body, the eyes, the nose, and chin and forehead, and then he will say yes, uh, this man is ready or not. Shurbindo has, you know, there are letters when people would send photographs to Shurbindo, and he would say his forehead indicates readiness for yoga, but his chin indicates that he will have difficulties. <laughs> there are actual letters, so even the physical form reflects the inner state of consciousness, and we cannot imagine how uh, how ignorantly we live. We try all kinds of external things, whereas uh, even this form has to express. something of the divine consciousness but there is a whole you know world before us which we have to gather so much stress within the ashram context of uh, working on the body on food on sleep on sexuality you know things which totally uh, very often you know one of the things about the divine is power it's an aspect of the divine but what happens why we feel so powerless and weak before circumstance because this will a certain amount of will is given to us but instead of cultivating and educating this will we have lent it to all kinds of forces and so slowly slowly will has become weak 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 important completely powerless so in front of every situation circumstance we feel powerless and helpless and then we pray to god now well he is inside us and he wants to help us but where is the will our will is so weak now why this happens the mother again reveals to us a clue that every time we lend our will to desire actually we have made it weak it's a pure science it has nothing to do with good or bad every time we ah this is so nice let me go and just grab it the same thing we can say oh this looks nice maybe i can have it if possible if not it's okay no world is going to fall down you know but the other is a movement of desire one begins to want you know there is an intense need 
and then you know every time we succumb to that need it creates another artificial need lot of things that we talk today as need are artificial needs i mean there was a time when people didn't need air conditioned and didn't need many things but today they are they have become necessities they are artificial needs they are not really true needs so every time i lend my will to desire i have already degraded it whereas the true movement is that one i resist the invasion of desire and but more importantly because if you just do that then many times the will becomes not just uh, strong but sometimes hard and harsh so that's not uh, the right way and i offer it to the divine so anything that we want in life we should always uh, you know put a little prayer along with it well this what i think i want but at the same time lord i leave it to you to grant me or not grant me it is up to you it's perfectly fine if you think that i should not have it done you know like kunti's prayer that i ask you so many things but i don't know whether it's right for me or not so don't give me if you think it's not good for me initially of course when we say don't give me inside is please give me <laughs> so <laughs> so <laughs> when we don't get it we feel did you really listen to that prayer <laughs> well you said don't give me you know uh, there are so many instances where shurubindo uh, in such lovely ways um, reveal this truth at one place when um, he was asked that um, i have a desire to eat this so shubindo wrote back eat your desire <laughs> at another place a very lovely story where a man um, or rather three persons they were from bihar and you know from bihar jackfruit vegetable is is very much uh, loved so um, uh, these three persons went to somebody else's garden and stole jackfruit and uh, they justified it by saying anyways we'll make and send it to the lord so it's fine you know this <laughs> part of the psychic stealing so stealing is justified because we'll also be offering to the lord now they uh, they made nice vegetable and puris and you know it was customary to send it to shurbindo who would take a little bit and send it back to you so they send a whole tiffin full of you know puris and that sabji and now you know it is something uh, so tasty eagerly waiting and the tiffin came down empty <laughs> what happened on that particular day shurbindo tasted a little and asked others to have it <laughs> distributed it to everybody and for some strange not strange reason obvious reason <laughs> it came back empty you have given it to lord so lord is playing tricks so okay fine i take it i accept it <laughs> so they made with so much so it happens in life that so many times we want something we have struggled for it we have labored for it we want it and at the last moment um it doesn't happen the way we want it in fact it happened just the opposite <laughs> Now it's a wonderful opportunity to practice the spirit of karma yoga just now govind was mentioning the first lesson of karma yoga is nishkam karma that i do my karma but the result is in your hands it's so nice we all read it and remember it but when it comes to even the smallest things we fumble and fail we keep on aggressively trying aggressively trying aggressively trying in the process we begin to lose more and more of this will because all anger makes our will important not only lust lust this desperate need to grab things 
makes our will important. It's in fact the sign of an important will. The sign of power is that there is no anger. Mother says that anger is always a sign of weakness of the vital. All violence is born of an inherent weakness in the vital. It's extremely restless. So it gets angry. And why it is angry? Because it's frustrated. Why it's frustrated? Again, the root is desire. Lust and anger go together. And that makes our will more and more weak, more and more weak. So this will has to be refined. Refined by a twofold way. One, not through a path. Path of denial is a very hard ascetic path. But a path where we consecrate to start with. That, you know, you need something or you want something, but offer it at her feet. And observe that, are you getting restless? This is a very interesting sign, Mother said. Are you getting restless for it? If you are getting restless, you must work upon it. it. must be The being must be very, very quiet. It should not become restless. I want it, I want it. Oh Lord, please. Then maybe the Lord will grant it, but we, we will get the object, but we will lose the, uh, you know, great opportunity to get closer to the divine. So we want something, we offer it to the divine and leave it in his hands to fulfill it in his own time, in his own way or not to fulfill it. This is a simple practice which makes our will strong. And second, to make the will more and more refined. Instead of asking for crude things, we can begin to upgrade. That should strive for higher things. That's what Shubindu tells us, that our will should be turned upwards towards higher things. Not simply wanting crude things, external things. So this way... Slowly the whole life begins to change into a remaking or a remolding in terms of the divine. And this, in a sense, is the science of living. That how everything in life becomes an opportunity to grow, to progress. And if we are vigilant, if we are conscious that there are subtle laws of life. For instance, this law that when I uh, send an energy into this world, it comes back to me. Or this law that if I am unconscious, I am I am putting myself at the mercy of forces. I can't blame anyone else. I can't say that, well, divine, why didn't you protect me? As if the divine has no other business but to 24-7 be round me and, uh, you know, protect me. They, well, divine may do it if I am an Arjuna. But to believe that everybody is an Arjuna is to really make a fool of oneself. <laughs> Because Arjuna is, is nothing else but the divine himself who has, you know, um, brought him um, out of himself. So, uh, this uh, is a big illusion. We carry all these illusions in our head when we approach the divine. And slowly and slowly, from out of that narrow understanding of a life, narrow conception of the divine, we outgrow them through a process of purification, wideness, plasticity. Till we reach a point where it's very difficult to even distinguish between what is divine and what is not divine. The mother speaks about it, that we begin to grow. It's a very natural outgrowing of our narrow, small personality. We start our journey by uh, believing somehow that the divine is just like me. Just like, you know, we want everybody to be like us. It's a commonest folly. Everybody should be like us. How boring and monotonous such a world would be, we don't realize. And we are very unhappy when somebody is not like us. Not realizing what a wonderful opportunity it is uh, to have someone, especially very near to you, who is not like you at all. 
It's an excellent opportunity to progress. And when we don't understand it, then God sends children into this life. <laughs> One, to teach us patience. Second, to teach us that, you know, <laughs> you want to love only those who are just like you. And you are being very judgmental. That, you know, those who do this, they are very bad, you know. Uh, people who get up at 10 o'clock, sanskar nahi diya hai. You have your children. <laughs> now you decide. <laughs> they will get up not at 10, 1 o'clock. <laughs> and you, you love. You begin to understand better. That no, it's not that they are bad. They are wonderful. It's just that, that there is one way that I look at life. There is another way they look at life. And they are as much valid and right as I am maybe valid and right in my own context. Isn't it? So that's how... And, you know, one begins to get rid of all these ideas and notions that this is, uh, you know, from an external standpoint, we begin to judge people. The mother says this is one of the first fundamental exercises if we have to disabuse our mind of, um, or rather um, uh, help it to receive true knowledge is to let the mind understand that actually mind does not know and we should stop judging people, events and circumstances at their face value. How often? For instance, anybody in India, it's the commonest thing. And I keep talking about it because uh, I really want the Indian mind to get rid of this uh, ridiculous mentality that anyone who wears a Girwa is Swami. Simply because he has put a suffix of Swami and Ananda is a, or rather prefix is Swami and Ananda is a suffix. Swami Atma Bodhananda. <laughs> the fellow doesn't even know what his ego self is. I have met such people. It's an unfortunate thing. And the millions who will go and you know touch his feet. Why? Because oh Swami Atma Bodhananda. Re. The very fact you join a monastery and your name changes doesn't mean you change. You're the same stupid monkey as you were before. But we carry this. These are our shibboleths. And we carry it in our heads all the time. And we don't even once pause and reflect. There is just nothing else but a formation of the past. And now you see how a formation of the past becomes a big barrier towards the future. Because the divine doesn't want. He, he is sick of swamis. <laughs> he wants to get rid of swamis and says, I want to get in everyday life. But we won't allow him to come into everyday life. Because you know, if you have to go towards the divine, you must have something like that. You must at least look like a swami. How can you be a man of God if you are wearing jeans? But this is so absurd. Look at mother. She started totally a new age. And what were the ingredients of the age? Look at how she dressed. When first time people saw, Oh, mother uses lipstick. She wears nice dresses. How can she be divine? People asked her this question. And then she had to explain. Such a pity. Actually, you really cry when you read that those replies of mother, that people had the audacity to judge her based on that. And she is replying that what can I do when my children give me such nice things, lovely things. I mean, she has also worn past sadis. People don't see that, that she would sweep the floor with the broom with that equanimity. When other disciples who were much inferior, the mother is not a disciple of Shirobindo, she is not only her equal, but someone by whose coming, Shirobindo says, that what I could not achieve in 10 years, I would have 
done in 10 years i got it instantly by the mother's coming he was asked what was the role of mother in your sadhana he says number 1 i could help myself but could not help others with the mother's coming i could help others second for many years i was sitting on the path it was blocked and it would have taken me 10 years to reach that point by the mother's coming the whole thing opened and it got done so that mother when she comes and she cleans the floor others are sitting on chairs like babu sahibs putting their feet she is sitting on the floor that people didn't see but saw once you know when she wore lipstick or wore nice sari that look so this tendency to judge she would play tennis she would laugh it's amazing that here is a divine who could laugh who doesn't say that laughter is bad she could cut joke read phantom comics while she was uh, you know sure sure bindo red kali vi i don't know some of us have read it or not excellent try to google search and find it taradi has it so she had uh, given me once to read i mean it's amazing we have ideas about divine and divinity and perfection and grim and serious looking guy who is all the time talking you know high stuff who will never <laughs> probably watch um, but you know they harbor within them much worse things it is the inner heart which has to be purified and through this purification external actions in every external action you have cinemas in the ashram it could st- scandalize people and uh, this this famous instance how you know what a vast path she opened where everything we we do can turn into a feeder of spiritual energy and how she was breaking all over shibolits on one of the occasions in in ashram meditation uh, this song was played which is a french song i don't know the original song i mean i, I somebody told me but i don't remember so uh, the song suddenly you know because normally i used to listening to either mother's music or sunil das music that day by mistake or whatever divine mistake uh, the song which was put was a french song where Uh, when french soldiers were going for war uh, they would sing that we are going to miss you my <coughs> beloved and stuff like that so <laughs> people were absolutely shaken and one of them complained to mother that look what kind of song they put in the uh, you know during meditation so mother said what's wrong with that song it's a good song <laughs> so <laughs> people didn't know what to say next i mean you have to learn to experience that divinity in everything there is that touch of the sweet all all sweet of the all blissful how playful krishna was in our own myth if we really look i mean krishna was very far from a sanyasi in example our icons are krishna and rama but where where do we really in our real life we end up worshiping kalnemis who were a gerwa kalnemi to ye karta tha na where krishna and rama they were living examples of what really is to lead a spiritual life krishna was married so was rama and how they led a life in every actions in every gesture they would bring in that divine element so much so that even in battle on the war field krishna has to say in the gita in purush i am rama when it comes to strength courage purush is very difficult to really manhood i am rama and what a manhood of rama what forgiveness what charity what chivalry what fearlessness so this is 
how these are the things which we have to cultivate and everyday life is an example of that am i being chivalrous small things mother gives that example of the charity bazaar where there is a fire and everybody is trying to push others she says even the people who are very decent gentlemanly the elite they want to rush out because they want to escape and they don't want uh, you know uh, they want to be the first one to escape now when we look at titanic we see in that movie a divine element look at it i mean there is no prayer no uh, no meditation no nothing but there is a divine element in that movie even through the pathos that look uh, i mean to a perceptive person who is vigilant titanic is a very spiritual experience why why because in the face of disaster look at the extraordinary example of courage integrity that some people could come out with look at the kind of love those two youngsters have shown look at that one pointedness of this man both in his love in his painting in everything so if one looks at that one sees that well spirituality is not just a question of sitting in meditation or simply you know doing some bhajans and uh, offering some prayers in a temple but it's something which we have to learn to live in everyday life and then the whole life becomes a process towards that perfection towards that great discovery towards that great becoming and every act becomes a sacrament an offering a yagna in that wonderful evolutionary path